Hello and welcome to episode two of In at the Side. Um, obviously, due to the current COVID-19 pandemic, we're all on via Skype. Um, I'm joined with Neil Williamson and Jack Donovan and our principal mental health partner, uh, Nick Marshall. Um, so this episode is just basically going to be about our current partners, what they're about, what they do and what we're going to do moving forward. Um, so we're just going to introduce Nick here. Um, Nick, how have you been running uh, Marshall Men's Minds for? Uh, good evening, everybody, first of all. Uh, so I set up Marshall Men's Minds in June last year after realising there wasn't enough support for men around, uh, knowing that men don't speak about their own mental health, they don't talk about the problems, they don't bottle things up. So I just wanted to give an opportunity for people to really come along and, and have a chat uh, and just talk to like-minded individuals and get stuff off the chest, really. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, obviously, that's a big part of what we're about here at the Dodgy Sevens. You know, um, create a safe space to get stuff off your chest or just chat, you know, as much as you want to share and as little as you want to share. Um, so, obviously, we're a rugby team. Obviously, you're very heavily linked with rugby. Um, do you want to talk about how that has supported you mentally? Yeah, I mean, um, I sort of... So, I'm a, a professional game match official, Um operating as a, an assistant referee uh, currently in the championship hoping to get into the premiership and operating in the professional game is um, really intense really sort of high performance a lot of anal uh, analyzing games looking at performances and and unfortunately because it is professional sport if you don't perform well every week you do get dropped just the same as everyone else and uh, I think last year I sort of struggled with a few incidents where uh, for 79 minutes I was sort of having a standard game um, and then for one uh, crazy thought process um, I was sort of struggling making a bad decision and then that sort of snowballed then and became bigger and bigger and bigger and it really started affecting me yeah. uh, not just on the park but off it as well where I was overanalyzing situations and, and really getting into my mind about why things were going wrong rather than just sort of learning from it and, and bouncing on. So I really had a bit of a, um, a decline in my mental health during that time where I was struggling off the pitch anyway with stuff. The rugby was meant to be my release. And then uh, it actually became a bit more of a burden and added sort of the extra pressure to me. So kind of did the complete opposite to what I was hoping. Right. OK, yeah. So obviously... You know, officiating a match is massive pressure and you found that something that you did enjoy doing then became a bit of a stress on yourself. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, the buzz of the the feeling of sort of walking out on the pitch in front of people and operating at that high level, that, that didn't phase me at all and I never really got nervous other than sort of, sort of good nerves. Um, but it was just that one decision. I just, I don't know, rabbit in the headlights or rush of blood to yeah. the I, I can't still, to this day, I still can't put my finger on it, but... Whatever I did, whatever I tried, things just seemed to get worse and worse. Um, yeah. And as I say, it just affected me then off the pitch mentally. And, and I really sort of struggled to find a release then. Um, hence the reason I set up this group. That's good. Really good. Obviously, I met you via Neil. Um, mutual friends and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, you're a very big personality within the rugby industry. So is there services for, obviously, you've got like the... Uh, RPA and stuff that offer help for players struggling mentally. Is there anything for match officials? Um, so, so, in terms of uh, local societies, they do uh, have uh, duty of care over their match officials. Yeah. Um, people, are, the RFU are starting to catch up with mental health. 
Um, there are there is support in place for the professional guys because they're in at Twickenham every every day. Um, so there is things available, but for the sort of lesser known people, it, it's really taken off. And I think because mental health is a lot more in society now, people are really catching up um, yeah. on that. And I think unfortunately is a case of catching up. Um, we can't really be trendsetters, but we can we can sort of put everything in place to try and help these people. And, it, and it's all about just giving them the opportunity, giving them the footprint, uh, individuals, whether it be men or women or kids, even, to be honest, um, just to talk uh, and just get things off the chest. That, and that's and that's the key. It, it can be speaking to a counsellor or uh, somebody specially qualified if you're willing to pay money or there are various um opportunities to go and speak to your local um samaritans or um i don't know there's so many different organizations around but as i say i created marshall men's minds as a free entity just to allow people to, to come along have a cup of tea once a week face to face and just talk to other people because a man talking to another man is is not really common but when they've got that um sort of togetherness of both having issues you tend to have yeah. that rapport with each other even though you may be strangers so yeah, that's I the think key that, message there, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'd say that's the key message there is, is talking. And, um, you know, that's what we're trying to promote through rugby as well and everything else and, you know, in conjunction with yourself. Um, but I know we've all at least known someone or, or have suffered with, you know, mental health issues ourselves. Um, and talking is the key. But that sometimes is the hardest thing. Which yeah. I don't associate with that. But, you know, looking from the outside or from hindsight, you look at it and think, why didn't I just speak to my family? Why didn't I just speak to my best mate? At the time, you don't want to bother him, do you? And no. that's, that's what we've got to break the stigma of, you know, men should just man up and we need to talk about stuff. I, I think just to add to that, though, Neil, I, I think half the problem is a lot of men don't admit that they've got a problem in the first place. Yeah. And it's almost taking that first step and just realising that there is a problem. Now, um, when I first suffered with depression a few years ago, I actually sought some uh, counsel and, and started getting the help. But yeah. in my mind, I thought to myself, oh, that'll be enough to get people off my back because I wasn't fully prepared to um, invest in that time to get myself better because I didn't really, I didn't really want to um, admit how bad I was. Yeah. So I kind of masked it and just said, yeah, that'll do. Mm. Gave, tell people what they wanted to know. And then my loved ones who were worrying about me sort of said, yeah, I've done that. I'm in a better place. And then, unfortunately it came back and bit me in the backside again and and i really sort of had to look in a mirror and yeah. i think another reason why i set up this group is because i am fully self-aware of, of what is wrong with me and and i admit that i've got depression for the rest of my life now that yeah. doesn't mean i'm going to be in a depressive state for the rest of my life but no. i can identify what my triggers are and and that's all i want to do with other people i just want them to understand how they're their brain works and, and identify what triggers for them and then stop it before it gets into the anxiety and the depressive state because yeah. when you're in that stage it's not a good place to be because it's really hard to get yourself out and unfortunately at the moment with coronavirus and being stuck indoors um it's not the recipe yeah no definitely and donovan i just want to bring you in here because obviously having played the <coughs> highest standard of rugby on this conference call so to say Ooh, uh, Gosh. It's unfortunately it's factual. Um, We're talking about natural natural talents or, or you know talk. Uh, purely black and white on paper. Um, you know, is there? Uh, obviously... Neil being a bit bitter about that. He <laughs> <laughs> can be All a right, bit. Uh... <laughs> um, so yeah, come back to that point. Obviously, 
is there support for players that who aren't playing in obviously the lowest leagues and aren't um, the top leagues? I, you know, this is this a is this an issue? Obviously, we touched on episode one about players in the championship turn into performance enhancing drugs because of the pressure they feel to get in the team or you know, then they get paid enough they play. So is that is this sort is this sort of support provided to players playing in the national national leagues? I think to be fair, like what I've seen a lot of is sort of that sort of brotherly culture. Yeah. But again there's the financial debacle that there's such a almost rotating door system at a few different places that like people that I've spoken to and everything, you don't necessarily see the support networks outside of, let's say, the brotherhood of your team and everything and the squad. Um, you'll see it at some clubs where it is really tight knit and you feel good and you are able to chat. But there are other, obviously I won't give examples or anything, um, but you've got other examples where you can't necessarily express how you're feeling mentally off the pitch. Like yeah. it, might, it might be something that you're struggling on on field and that's affecting you off field you've not necessarily got the support network because unfortunately a lot of the support networks i know we say yeah there's mental health charities and everything and like what net what you're doing is fantastic and it's a lot of it is down to financials because like well you see it in comparison to let's say football the finances just aren't anywhere near in the same sort of sphere so they yeah. you can't go and let's say play nat 2 or a premier standard and have the accessibility to all of those features you don't you're you're quite lucky to be fair if you go and you get a good physio with maybe a little bit of dough for playing on the weekend but, but at the end of the day after that it's sort of pocket money really it's not it's not necessarily go and be the top level get all your psychological help your physiological help and then go and play rugby it's mm. really quite a burden to be fair and I imagine it does take a lot of strain it's taken strain on it it's taken strain on other players you do you do see it and it's it's I wouldn't necessarily say the support network is fully there but as Nick touched on earlier the RFU are starting to take more steps and you're seeing a lot more things in it particularly coaching CPDs now as well they're coming in doing a little bit on the mental side of the game so steps are being made it's good but it's whether that support network comes from charities from organizations or whether it is through that sort of network of brotherhood of rugby and like we were saying feeling okay to talk so yeah nick touched on obviously we're yeah, with the rfu catching up because obviously this is a big issue that has only recently come to light and i think it's still coming to light with people still not accepting it as a serious issue you know um so you know we've got a lot of you know a lot of websites and stuff being invested in and with online resources but what i think really sets your partner is obviously you haven't you know it's great you can go onto a website and look at support but that still drives you to then take further action whereas obviously your groups you're there you're in person you're talking to actual people you know is this something that you'd like to you know roll out across the country oh, yeah if I, if I if I had the if I had the resource Dom, I would I'd literally be everywhere setting this up. Um, unfortunately, at the moment I'm a one-man band and um, yeah. it's so difficult. I'm 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 
financially paying for it myself. Um, I have got a couple of people that are helping out in terms of money, but and we've got a few grants from local places. But at the moment, this is purely just a Gloucester thing, um, just from where I live. We've got a pool of about 20, 25 people at the moment um, that come regularly, and we've got people dipping in, dipping out when they need to. Um, but it's more a case of just aside from um, the Wednesday night meetings that we're having, we're actually found that we're all becoming really close friends as well because you've yeah. got that relationship with each other. And um, it, it's that close knit, uh, that like brotherhood that was that was mentioned before about where rugby teams together, because we've all got been in the same position. We're all there just to support each other. And, and that's the big thing that I'm pushing with Marshall and Men's Minds, that as soon as you come into the fold, you are then part of the family and, and we are together and the group is all about looking after each other. It's not about Nick Marshall sitting there and um, singing Kumbaya in, in a circle and holding hands and and whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a case of we all listen to each other. I just facilitate a conversation. I I, I try and, because I like talking, um, some of the members will tell you that I talk too much and they shut me up sometimes, but it's all a case of just learning and listening to other people and listening to what other people have been through because I'm not I've suffered with depression I don't necessarily know all the ins and outs about anxiety yeah so I need somebody that's got that suffered with anxiety to help somebody else with anxiety does that make sense so we all bang yeah yeah. yeah yeah and that's, yeah, what, it's, that's what it's all about it's learning from each other's experiences because yeah. in a game of rugby if you watch somebody drop a ball you learn from that to don't drop a ball but in life, if you look at somebody and think they're close to taking their own lives, you, we don't learn from that. And that's what we need to do. And that's how spreading the word and, and making it more acceptable to talk about your, your mental health issues, just the same as talking about a broken ankle or, or talking about um, a dislocated finger that you've got or whatever. It's just yeah. making it... Sorry, Nick. Yeah. The difference between that and, and you know, stuff wrong with you, like your mind, like the mental health issues is that it's easier to talk about a broken leg in a cast because everyone goes, oh, what are you done to your leg? You know, everyone goes, what are you done to your arm? Yeah. Where if you've done something, if you've got something going on in your head, no one can see that. No one, never, never ever starts that conversation. So it's always you having to do that, which yeah. is the hard step. Obviously. So, so I'm just going to take two points you said there. There's two things about that, and and one there's a little bit of acceptance that people don't necessarily want to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, because when you walk past somebody and you say, hi, how you doing? And it's almost that acknowledgement of, hi, yeah, I'm okay, thanks. Mm. You wouldn't, it's, it's, that's an acknowledgement. It's not a case of, I wouldn't take that seriously. No. Because if somebody stopped me in the street and went, oh, I'm not actually very good. Do you mind having 10 minutes? I wouldn't hesitate to speak, speak to them. But yeah. a, lot, a lot of people in society wouldn't know what to do. If somebody said, oh, no, I'm having a really bad day. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling like I want to go and jump off a bridge or something. Mm. And, I, and I say that quite quite bluntly, but it's true. People wouldn't know how to handle a situation. And, and, and I had a friend of mine um, ring me up a few weeks ago. Now, I haven't got any qualifications. I just use my human interaction and just the ability to have a conversation with people. And somebody rang me up and said to me, Nick, I've got a friend that's struggling a little bit. What, what do I say to them? And I just said, be yourself. Mm. Yeah, but Yeah, but I want to make jokes and stuff like that. Well, they've clearly rang you for a reason. So make your, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't beat around the bush. Don't worry about it because they've they've looked to you for advice and support. Just be yourself, but mm. don't don't sort of be over the top or or skirt around the issue because people that have come to terms with the fact that they want to speak to somebody, they're there to do it. So yeah. you've got to have those blunt conversations because it is unfortunately a matter of life and death. 
So do you think that's another another side of the issue is that when people do get reached out to, they find out they don't know what to say, they're worried about saying the wrong thing and stuff like that. Do you know? Do you do you think that's an education piece we need? Yeah. We all need to learn. Yeah. In, so that as, comes a, as, a, as a human, not within just sport. Hundred percent. It's just general life. So that comes into actually what the second point I was going to make from from what Neil said. The complexity of a mind is so diverse. If if you look at mental health issues on the internet, it will come up with so many different ailments, different diagnosis or whatever. You, you will never know one from the other. Like all four of us here could be suffering with four different types of mental health issue mm-hmm. without even knowing it because you, you can't tell from looking at somebody. Yeah, that's the lack of education, a lack of understanding from people that all these things are around. Yeah. Now, gone are the times where you go, oh, bloody hell, you're just mental, or um, you don't call people crazy anymore because it is a lot more common. And, yeah. and being crazy is not a bad thing. It's just no. meaning that you have to control it. And, and you look at somebody like Tyson Fury, who is um, an elite-level sportsman who suffers with bipolar. He suffers with anxiety. He suffers with depression. He is a world champion. He's just... Deontay Wilder and he's back to have another fight but the fact that he's got bipolar which is a pretty severe um, uh, mental health issue with a form of schizophrenia isn't it um, he manages it so that he can box yeah. now, there's no reason that none of us can manage it and recover from this and, and, and as I said before it's about understanding your own mind so that you can still operate at the top level yeah that's no, good and um, you know definitely as you say an education piece as humans we all need to learn moving forward because again that's going to be the potential of someone taking steps further yeah. is always going to be in people's minds and then you know what mental effects will they have on on stuff yeah i i think i think there is a difficulty and unfortunately this does lie <laughs> a little bit with the older generation that we've got um because when they were kids they never really suffered or it wasn't readily acceptable that people would sort of say oh, i'm having a i'm having a bad day here I'm, I'm really suffering with depression or whatever yeah they don't normally talk about it so it's a lot harder to for them to turn around and say yeah it's normal for me to sort of put my hand up and say i've got a problem because it was never done people never spoke about their issues back in the day my parents never did it um but it's just changing that culture and and as you say the education piece some people don't believe in it some people do and and if if we can change the mindset of one person, then it will have been a success. No, that's good. So, yeah. oh, go on, I, I, just a couple of things. I want to track back on one thing in a moment. But you said about the education process. Where do you feel all of that should really start? Is that something that should naturally be a culture, or do you think that's something that maybe we could actually integrate into education? Hundred percent, hundred percent education. Because if you we teach people about how to look after general first aid at school. You, If you cut something, you put a bandage on it. So why not talk to kids? There is so much pressure on these kids nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I, again, come back to the coronavirus issue. I've been reading a lot of um, sort of articles and stuff about kids that are not going to sit their sats at yep. year six. What's, what's year six? 10, 11? Yeah, 10, 11. 11. Mm-hmm. The, the pressure on these kids to perform and are now having to tone school and stuff, it's immense. Because if you don't, if you don't do well in your stats you don't get your secondary school so the pressure on these kids to perform well there it's immense I, I never i never felt that pressure and i don't know if you you did neil obviously we went to the same school but i never really felt that 
But no, because, not really. Because yeah. the pressure in the kids nowadays, why not teach them about talking at yeah. such a young age? Because if it starts happening on the playgrounds, if they start going, flipping heck, I've had a really bad day. My mum told me off last night because I didn't change uh, clean my room. Then they don't, don't end up with mother issues 20, 30 years down the line. Yeah. No, that's a good shout. I think it's a great shout to bring it in as early as possible and to make it normal to talk about. So do you think, obviously, I don't want to offend people on the call and say they're old, but obviously growing up without social media yeah. and now having social media and now obviously you get this generation that lives their whole life on social media from the age of 9, 10, 11. Do you think that's adding to the pressure? Massive. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, it's like you saying that as well. I, because obviously I work in the education sector anyway. Like the amount of kids that I see in primary school, you like run around going, "Oh, sir, you you got TikTok and stuff like that." I'm just thinking, "Hang on a minute, you guys have readily got access to all of this." Yeah. When I was that age, I probably knew about some of it. Definitely didn't have access to it. I can tell you, you now. My dad wouldn't have even imagined what that was. He'd probably yeah. sort of be out of a stick. But <laughs> and it's and you see all this. It is it's almost like you've given them mm. the attitude of someone that should be a lot older, and you're forcing it all upon them so early. And it's yeah. it's one thing. Like I know I've spoken to some of the Dodgers boys about we about how we do try and promote mental health, particularly in young people. It's something that I try and do, but. The one thing that I see, and like you see it through rugby, is obviously it's not, you see it in both genders, boy and girls or others, but at the same time, you, I've seen particularly sort of year six, when the testosterone starts to kick in, a lot of the boys are starting to get at each other's throats and everything, and it's sort of dealt with, and then if there's an issue on a playground, teachers will split them up, and then that's it. And then they're left to fester with those issues because they're, that's the easy way out. And, and then it all, it all spills over online as well. Sorry? And then it all spills over online. Yeah. That's with online and with social media, there is no get away from it. I mean, in mine and Nick's day, if you had a shit day at school, if you had a running with someone, at least if you went home, you, you didn't have to deal with them until the next day. Yeah. That, you know, whereas now you go home, you've got all the fucking hate mail, you've got all the the fucking gnomes, yeah. trolls, trolls. Got to be no, definitely no gnomes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm letting our age group down, Nick. Um, again, <laughs> no, you get all the, you know, constantly. It, I, it, it's impossible. I, I've obviously I've, I've got three daughters. Um, I hate to think what it's going to be like for them growing up, going to school with all this going on, and yeah. all you know, it was bad enough without phones and stuff back in the day with with them. It's like you say, 20, you know, it never stops. Yeah. And I, I think just to add to that, Neil, I think yeah. you obviously got young kids. I've got, I've got two young kids and I will be educating my kids to tell me about stuff like that. And I know it's yeah. going to be really difficult because it's almost invading their privacy, but they've got to feel like they can come to me with anything because of, mm-hmm. because of what, again, I've read about in the news where people 12, 13 years old are getting bullied and, and taking their own lives at that age. Yeah. It is tremendous. And unfortunately, people do sit behind their computer screen sometimes and chuck barrage. You see it on Twitter all the time. If you haven't got anything good to say, why say it at all? But people want that one minute of of spotlight. And if we react to it, then it looks like they've won. No, definitely. Um, Yeah, obviously. The the other thing I was going to ask, 
you say like you get um, individuals and everything approach you and you get these groups. Do you ever get any contact directly from clubs, like asking, could you come and do like a network for the whole club or? So I haven't. Um, so in terms of my delivery, I got asked, um, a friend of mine works for the RFU um, as a, um, a match official developer. And um, she invited me down to Somerset Referee Society um, just before Christmas. And I went down there and I delivered a, a mental resilience um, presentation as a match official. And then I went and delivered it in Hampshire in January. But it's something that we can literally put up. You, you, you can say about mental resilience in absolutely any walk of life. So yeah. it's something that I'd be prepared to come and speak to anybody about because I'm really passionate about trying to help people. Um, and, and the biggest thing that I want anybody to take away from this is just to understand that it's acceptable to speak up and say you've got a problem. That's the biggest thing. Um, and if it can help people, yeah, I'd 100% travel around the country and do that. No problem at all. That's really good. Great to hear. Um, so, yeah, obviously, COVID-19 pandemic, we're currently in the middle, beginning of, I'm not too sure how long it's going to go on for. You got any tips for anyone listening to keep them mentally healthy, you know, keep them grounded? So, uh, yeah, so sorry to go back to it, people, but the biggest thing to talk. Um, I know we are, a lot of people are going to be stuck in with their, their loved ones, uh, living in each other's pockets. There's going to be a lot of people that are living on their own. Um, for both both types, you've got to talk to people. You've got to talk to people outside of your network, whether it be using Skype or Zoom or whatever house party. I know it's a big thing this weekend, just gone, but I think there's a few issues with that. But whatever the media is, talk to people, because if you don't talk to people outside of your support network within the house, you will go stir crazy because yeah. on um, that point yeah sorry sorry as i said on that point um you know obviously the coronavirus is a terrible thing everyone's you know it's never happened to us before we're all on lockdown effectively but i think there could possibly be some some benefits to come from it now what i mean by that is already people are talking more people are skyping more people are just staying in contact just ringing people to say how you doing i speak yeah. to my mum every day now I speak to my brother on facetime every day um, I could guarantee my brother would never answer the phone to me, uh, but literally, it's just mad. Like, do you think that this can carry on, or do you think that when we go back to normal, um, it'll go back, it'll just go back to as it was, or do you think that we we can take something positive from this um, and you know grow from it that way? So Nick Marshall thinks that it, unfortunately it will go back to normal. Yeah. Because I think what everybody will get engrossed back into their lives, everyone will go back to being at work, having their own personal lives out in the pub or whatever, or doing sport, whatever, and nobody yeah. have time for each other. And the yeah. reason why everyone's talking to each other at the moment is not only just to check on them, but also yeah. I think it's down to boredom. Yeah, definitely. Because they've got nothing else to do. Um, and and, and I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong. And, and listeners, please prove me wrong. But unfortunately, I think if we can change it, for the better and use it as uh, the norm to check in on people um it'd be great but unfortunately i don't think it will be no, no that's fair enough. Yeah. but it comes back to the same thing doesn't it obviously before this when we just died episode one there across they're just on the be kind game and that was all triggered by something that had happened yeah like, that obviously that was triggered off the unfortunate situation very sad situation of caroline flack which then triggered the whole Be Kind campaign. This is obviously 
the action of checking in with people has been triggered by the pandemic. Yeah. So again, we're seeing a slight repeat. I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but you know, people do need reminding. Yeah. Of to you know to get to to look out for each other. I I agree. I agree with those two points there, 100% about those two incidents. Unfortunately, both have been as a result of something happening. So yeah, it's reactive. We need to be proactive and make it the norm. Um, I know, I know when your friend, your true friends are when you don't see them for a year and then you all get back together and nothing feels like it hasn't changed. So why not pick up the phone and have a chat with them? Just check they're all right. Because you never know, that, that one phone call might actually save somebody's life. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we're coming up to the half an hour mark. Nick, uh, see, that was easier than you thought. Um, obviously... <laughs> one more thing, sorry, Tom. Yeah, go on. Um, particularly like in the refereeing sphere and everything, something that I've sort of notice bounce around different areas do you find there's a difference in the standard of mental health between people in a rural background or have grown up in a rural setting for those who are necessarily more urban or city or town based uh do you know what that's a really good question and i don't know the answer i don't know if there would be any difference um i think from society to society and, and areas and stuff i think it would be I don't know. I, that's a really good point, and I'll and I'll do some digging to answer your question because I I have heard that there are unfortunately higher rates of negative impact in a rural setting. Is that because that, of the isolation and because they feel alone? That that's one of the things I'm wondering. You see it a lot, particularly young farming communities and everything like that. You do see unfortunate events and stuff. Yeah. So I was actually wondering whether that is purely because of that isolation or the pressure or but. Yeah. I don't know. It's a really good point, but mm-hmm. but again, if if they are feeling isolated, hopefully this this pandemic and the the, the um, self isolation and the lockdown, hopefully that will drive them forward to pick up the phone and speak to each other more. Yeah. If that is the case. Um, but do you know what? It, it, mental health as a match official is something that it's only we're only getting into just now. Um, yeah. It's talking about the bigger picture. We're not just talking about specifically on a Saturday. Um, obviously, the, the talks that I've given about mental resilience within as a match official is specifically related to sport, but it, it's all about how you utilise the rest of your time. And, and the big thing that I found before was on a Saturday, your cup final, it's not putting all your eggs in one basket. It's not, yes, it is uh, to live and die for, but the biggest scheme of things it is only a game. And, and that's the thing that we need to look at. Um, there was a gentleman, unfortunately, I can't remember his name, but he was at a club in uh, down in the Hampshire area um, and he went missing and unfortunately he took his life. And But the Brotherhood and everybody went there looking for him and it just put things in perspective that it is only a game and, and mental health is a, such a bigger thing than that. But yeah. obviously we can utilise and, and through the Dodger Sevens, we can use rugby as the tool to get people talking about it. And obviously Danny Cipriani did a big thing with his video that he did and then the be kind uh, campaign that they did and they ran mm-hmm. it's really good pop- uh, publicity for mental health but let's make it the norm let's get let's get branding out there let's get people talking about it in the stands let's get players talking about it as the norm um because i know i know i've overrun the time but i'm just going to give you um just one thing to think about when men open up um there are again i've done my research there are two times that men generally open up and talk to another man um 
aside from mental health groups and that one is walking down the street and one is in the car any of you can tell me why that would be hmm. i'll take it in the car would be because he's on the phone no 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 oh. so if we're sitting next to each other no you sit next to him in the car because no. it's like because you're like it's just you two no one else can hear but there's no eye contact Ah. so if you ever notice a man speaking to another man eye contact with each other is such a powerful thing really really powerful mm. and men don't make eye contact with each other it's it's really uncommon mm. so men find it a lot easier to speak to another man when they're not making eye contact so because you're walking down a road you're both going in the same direction so it would be odd to look at somebody and walk down the road and again you're not going to make eye contact with somebody when they're driving because it would be unsafe. So that's mm. why te- people tend to open up when they're walking wow. down the street or driving. What a thought. That's brilliant. Mm. So there we go. I'm going to leave you on that one. So, yeah, yeah. Um, COVID-19 pandemic ongoing. Uh, do you want to tell everyone how they can get involved with Martin Men's Minds? Yeah, so unfortunately, because we can't run our weekly face-to-face meetings, uh, we can still run a face-to-face meeting through the internet. And every Wednesday, I've been setting up uh, Zoom calls. Uh, So if you haven't got Zoom, please download it and look for um, the announcements that we're putting on our page on Facebook. Um, Or drop me an email at info at marshallingmensminds.co.uk. We'll be running three Zoom calls, one at half past seven, one at eight o'clock and one at half past eight. Everybody's welcome. And it just gives you an opportunity for anywhere across the country or the world to come and have a chat and just talk about anything other than coronavirus. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you very much, Nick. And, oh, uh, one more thing. We'll one more thing. Another, another one soon. Uh, one more thing. I'll go on then, Neil. Um, Nick, do you have a coin by any chance? Because uh, a stupid bet was made the other day. Uh, by certain two gentlemen you see on the screen there, Dom and Dutch. I, I didn't get involved. Yes, you did. Yes. Uh, and basically, um, whoever loses the coin toss has to shave their hair um, on air on the next podcast on Friday, basically. Well, um, does it have to be on air or can we do it for the podcast? No, absolutely not. On air, has to be. Okay. All right. And uh, Nick, as you're uh, you know, the, the most official adjudicator out of all of us, if you could uh, do the coin toss, we will Thank you very much. Definitely not, man. Yes, it is. You, you wouldn't you don't back out in front of everyone. No. So, guys, just uh, especially for this moment, I don't know if the camera can see it, but we're going to pull out the Las Vegas rugby ref coin oh. and a tails. Um, who would like to call? So I'm gonna let you go, Donna. No, Donovan. Because it'll right. look like, it'll look like a fence, mate. Right. Are we ready? Call it in the air. Call it in the air. What was the shout? Heads. What's that? It's What's a head. head. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> does that mean? Wait, no, does that means I've head. won. Dom's got to shave your head. No, if it lands on heads, doesn't the head do it? He called oh, heads. No. Why would you shave a coin? Say heads, and if it lands on heads, then then you lose. How's that? Oh, that's rubbish. Have you, you've never been captain before, then, Dom. No, I normally. You question the ref's decision, Dom. Huh? You question the ref's decision. Oh, of course not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you, you want to be, so, be glad the weather's getting warmer. Well, yeah, and I won't be out in public for the next couple of weeks either. So hopefully, we'll be very back. Right, nice one. Thanks very much, Nick, for your time. 
Um, and hopefully we'll get there across soon. I look forward to seeing you soon, guys. Take care. Nice yeah, Bye. Bye. Bye.